Zach, great to have you on the pod here. Um, excited to see you. It's been now what we were talking about six years. It's been a very long time, Tom. Yeah, we were roommates at Procter and Gamble, which is as an intern, as interns, which is where we first met way back in the day. Way uh, back, way way back in our early twenties or something like that. So it's been You're a, a it's good been roommate, a while, Tom. Yeah, you were a good roommate, roommate too. Yeah, <laughs> we had a good little quad there. You taught me how to spice the chicken that I eat every night. You know, I, I was very early in my culinary skills back then. That's all right. I did what I could. <laughs> but it's been a lot of fun getting to know you, Zach, and um, kind of having a first row seat over the years of sorts when you when we were at PNG together and thereafter when you started building your marketing skill set, uh, now launching your own media agency in Galactic Fed. So thanks a lot for joining us. Great to finally have you on. Absolutely. Happy to be here on the bell curve with uh, both you and Jacob. Dude, so Zach, you, you've had a pretty fascinating journey um, to kind of set the stage. You know, you're the co-founder of Galactic Fed. You know, that's a company that's 160 employees now, you know, globally distributed staff, different cultures, you know, people in different roles. Um, and very simply, like, how do you how do you grow going from college all the way up to this point where you're at right now? We'd love to hear your story. Yeah, so uh, I've always known I'm interested in startups, entrepreneurship, this sort of thing. Uh, when I was in college, I started my first company. It was a drag and drop mm -hmm. website builder called Rexy, similar to Squarespace, Wix, Weebly, those businesses. I uh, had no idea what I was doing. Did a terrible job, I would say, objectively. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, made a, you know, taught myself how to code. Made what I thought my, my co-founder and I built a really nice product. I think it worked really well. Got some users, uh, built a small team. But I think I really learned in that time that you can't do everything by yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. And you need to, need to build a good team and people know what they're doing better than you. And you need to learn from other people too. So I went and worked at Procter and Gamble for a while. That's where I met Tom, even though he didn't come back after the internship. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not a consumer guy. I'm a healthcare guy. Yeah, Zach. You know this. No worries. You know this. I know this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, then I went and worked at Google for a bit, and then I worked at TopTile, which is a unicorn B2B tech startup. And then after those experiences, you know, two two big corporate giants, one smaller, uh, you know, quickly growing startup, I felt ready to do my own thing again. Uh, so I started Galactic Fed, which is my, uh, marketing services business. Uh, at the same time too, uh, something that's been really important to me over the past few years is this remote work concept, which I'm sure we're all pretty familiar with now. I got into the scene in 2016, uh, actually for a period of roughly six years, starting in 2016, I did not live anywhere, traveled full-time as a digital nomad and built my company remotely as well. So at Galactic Fed, we have folks from around the world. I don't know the last count, 20, 20 something countries. So diversity of cultures from the US to the Philippines, to Brazil, to London, to South Africa, uh, everywhere in between. And it's been really fun to learn from the different working styles and cultures of people around the world there. I think that's made us a more rich uh, company internally and allowed us to do better and outcompete people since we uh, have that diversity perspective set the business. Uh, but yeah, that's where we are now. Nice. And Zach, did you tend to, you've traveled a lot internationally. I know mentioned, what is it? You've lived in 56 countries, potentially traveled to more than that. Um, how many yeah. countries are there even? 200? Are, are you? 196. Last time, 192, 196, something like that. Yeah. Either way, in terms of the um, kind of focus that you have. So you're, you're, you have a passion for different cultures, different countries, travel. Um, is that also reflected in kind of the types of work that you like doing? Do you tend to find yourself more focused in the U.S. or um, kind of globally distributed even in your client base? Yeah, that's a great question. I'd say uh, we we work with all sorts. I'd say we, we work with all sorts of different companies wherever they are. I'd say 
um, 80% or so of our businesses, our clients are located in the United States because that is where my personal network from a work perspective, as well as that of my co-founder Irina is. And when we started the business, lots of our initial clients came from referrals as many services businesses do. Now at this point, we've diversified into uh, cold outreach, email marketing, content, inbound sales, uh, paid media, all different channels that we do for our clients, we do for ourselves now too. But all that said, we still do a con have a concentration of clients in the US. That said, we've had some all over Latin America, South Africa, some of the countries I just mentioned where we have employees. Um, and we're always open to working with folks from around the world. And in fact, uh, one of my favorite things is when we do have clients from around the world and I'm able to say, see them, see their, see their brands around the world. I remember I was in the Bogota airport in Colombia uh, earlier this year, and I saw this just massive uh, scrolling feed for this for this client that we have, which is an international banking company based in South Af uh, South America. I was like, we made that ad. That's that's wow. made me proud because especially running a digital marketing business, it's rare that I get to see the effects of what we do in the physical world. We see them on the internet sometimes and you hear people talking about hmm. them. That makes you feel good. But there's something different about connecting with things and people in real life that is special sometimes. That's really interesting. It's fascinating to hear you talk about kind of your network and where where that seed kind of stage of your um, your company started, which is based upon your network. I feel like since I've known you now for the past, what, nine years, we're coming up on a decade of uh, are, knowing each are. other. <laughs> I feel like you've always been really good at kind of getting to know folks, networking, marketing. Um, I think you've built like a strong personal brand, which is uh, really lends well to the type of work that you do now. Um, how, do, how do you think about networking? Like when you trace your journey from company to company and from role to role, um, how do you think, how have you thought about building it and cultivating a network and how have you done it so well to now have a client base that came initially from your network? Thank you, Tom. Yeah, I, I would say for me, um, you know, networking, if you will, is really just, uh, I've never really done that intentionally too much. It's more just, I get, I tend to get really obsessed with some things for a short period of time, say six months or so. Uh, that might be traveling to a certain place. That might be learning software engineering or learning marketing or learning a new type of business or starting my own company or starting the next company, whatever it may be. And I find that when I get really obsessed with those things, I want to talk with everyone I possibly can about that and hmm. just learn and ask questions and dive into that. And I feel like doing that, showing that passion for whatever it may be you're interested in you don't even realize at the time, but you're developing friends and you're developing trust and interest. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody likes anything more than, than having people ask about themselves, ask, ask about you and learning about you and uh, helping each other out. And I think that's what, you know, networking, if you will, is about uh, just being really passionately interested about things and following through on it. Uh, and yeah, I've had that at, at different life stages from, you know, working at a, large company with you in Cincinnati to, you know, working at Google to, uh, you know, traveling and, and working for TopTal, which was a, a remote company, and then starting my own. During each of those phases, I was I was just relentlessly obsessed with something or some things at the time. Hmm. So it's like kind of important in your in your mind to have like, a, like a, something to that's infectious, like something that you're so into that doesn't matter what it is, people really just like to see that, like people are gravitated to like that passion energy, someone who has charisma. And even if, even if it's not something that they're into, the fact that you're into it um, kind of sets you up so, to create this like special, um, 
like potential bond or like in to then continue the conversation with that person and potentially grow a relationship. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think that's a great way to summarize it, Jacob, you know, because then you can pick up those conversations even years later and you remember where you left off of those people. Um, I think another thing that I've been uh, pretty good at is I'm really intentional about, I, I like write all the time, I journal every day and I journal about the interactions I have with other people. I'll probably journal about this entire conversation we had right afterwards. And I find that helps me to look back and, you know, people really, uh, I don't know if impress is the right word, but pleasantly surprised when you remember details about what they shared and about their lives. And I think that's a good way to pick up the conversations far in advance too, and make them not transactional, make it more of a conversation is, is important. Were you journaling back when we met, Zach, yeah, in 2013? I wasn't journaling. Now I use an app called Day One, which uh, you know is mainly phone. I could do it on my desktop too if I wanted to download it there. So I didn't have it that, but if I look back to my physical journals, I'm sure I'm talking about you at some point and our other roommates. Hopefully good things, you know? Hopefully uh, uh, good things for sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fascinating. Do you find that a lot of other founders do that? Like a time for personal reflection obviously is very important. And I hear this all the time at Kellogg. Uh, they, they talk about it a lot. I'm curious if they discuss it at Stanford GSB. Um, but do, do you find that's unique? Did you pick that habit up from someone as like a kind of life skill, knowing that you wanted to be on this entrepreneurial journey? I think, um, I think as I've done it, I've, I've leaned more into it that way. I think it's more like, I've always just really liked writing in general. Like one of my long-term goals is just to write books, like science fiction I really like. Uh, so I've always, I've always written a lot. And I think the easiest thing to write about is what's happening in your life as it happens and to record it. So I've been journaling since I was a little kid and that's always been really important to me. Uh, that said, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm at, I'm at the Stanford GSB, uh, you know, in business school right now. And they do talk a lot about setting aside time to think, uh, you know, there's like, and I, I've always felt that there's, there's infinite things that will distract you. And I think the two most destructive words in the world are not now. You know, it's always easy to do something, not now. It's easy to start a company, uh, not now. Um, you know, this is something that I don't know, I've heard professors at Stanford recently even talk about this, this concept, uh, you know, letting, letting fear decide what you want to do um, and hmm. saying it's always easier to start a company later down the road, you have more experience, uh, when you have more money, when you know more people, when you're more respected. And the same thing can be happening for, uh, you know, setting aside time to think, setting aside time to journal. It can be easier to do it when, uh, you know, when, when you have more time. Also, I want to pause real quick. The internet is being a little weird for me. Internet strangely is bad here for the place where they invented it. So just so you guys know, <laughs> if I, if I drop out for a second, I'll just hop back right in and you can just interrupt me and be like, Hey, we didn't hear that last part. Repeat it. Cool. Yeah, it's all good. So, um, so you get started, uh, I, I do want to come back to the Stanford DSB thing in terms of how you made sure. that decision. Right. Um, yep. and, and I know you're still, uh, very much involved in your business. Uh, and yeah. since it is a remote company, you can do both. So when, uh, you start, um, Galactic Fed in 2016 or in 2017, or, or what year are you starting Galactic Fed and, and what are you doing at that time and, and kind of how you get it started? Yeah. So, uh, early 2018 was when it was. Okay. And basically I had just finished this program called remote year that I was doing, which was, I would say my digital nomad Disneyland experience in the beginning, <laughs> uh, that really kicked things off. I spent a year traveling with 50 people who all had different remote jobs and we lived in one country per month for a year. That was a good soul searching. Do I like this lifestyle? The answer was yes. And I wanted to keep doing that. 
And I was like, okay, I have sort of the ultimate physical freedom in the world right now, already working at that prior company, which is I can live anywhere in the world I want. I can pick up and move. I pay rent nowhere. And at the time I wasn't dating anybody and, you know, I, I could just do whatever I wanted. And I was like, the real next thing that would allow me to have true freedom and control over my life and something I've always wanted to do again is to start my own company. Uh, yeah. So I was already thinking about doing that. I, I left uh, the company I was at then. And then it just so happens, uh, the Irina, who's my co-founder now, was also at that company with me before. I was running the paid media marketing program there, which is you know all the ads you see around the internet, Facebook ads, Google ads, et cetera. She was running search engine optimization, which is helping you rank high on organic Google search results. So it was a natural fit for Irene and I to join up and start Galactic Fed together, since those are two of the largest spheres within the digital marketing world. When, when did you have that conversation, Zach? Was that was first off? Was Irina on remote year with you, or did how how did you even come to to meet your co-founder? So we actually met at this offsite for that company we were at before, which was really okay. just like a chill at the beach in Florida and like ride jet skis and like drink beers and have a good time sort of thing. But I was Dude, like, oh, awesome. like, yeah, it was great. It was very startup, <laughs> very startup-y vibes. Uh, had a great time at that. But I was like, okay, this this woman, Irina, is, is brilliant. She, she is a fascinating story. In fact, I think you guys uh, should chat with her sometime too. Uh, she was a refugee from Romania when she was very young. Uh, she came here. She was a physicist at CERN on the team that uh, recreated the Big Bang Theory in the Large Hadron Collider. And then she traveled by herself for a year or so doing odd jobs before teaching herself marketing. So we both had this sort of very rebellious ethos where we were always questioning things. We both traveled a lot. We were both digital nomads. So I liked her personally. She was a really cool person. Uh, so we were chatting a lot. And when I realized that she was leaving too, it seemed to be a natural uh, fit there. And then we had, a, I mean, it wasn't like a right away, we're doing this together, let's sign the papers. There was a bit of a, a period where we were testing each other, I would say. Uh, she came and visited me in Tennessee and we hung out there. I came to Chicago and we hung out there where she, where she was living. And I think over that time, we really developed a friendship as well, which I think is extremely important in a co-founder relationship. Uh, I think at least, I, I don't know how I could possibly start a company with someone that I couldn't joke with, commiserate with, uh, celebrate with. And those are the things yeah. you do with friends. Uh, so over time as our friendship grew and then we grew as business partners as well, it became very clear to us that we'd be a good fit to starting companies together. Hmm. So say, so you guys start collected fed basically with those two things in mind, right? You're going to do like Facebook ads. You're going to do stuff on like, a like paid search, like pay-per-click type of stuff on Google. She's going to rank companies high on um, like search engine optimization, SEO, like uh, which is mostly Google or like uh, in terms of most of that traffic. And we're like, those are the only two like services that you're like offering at that point, or are you um, uh, and, and like, like, how are you doing that? So it's like, okay, are we starting the company now? Or were you like going in out and experimentate, experimenting with like, okay, I'm going to try to see if I can, you know, convince one of my friends or convince one of my clients. And then you talk to her, her and it's just kind of like this thing that kind of organically grows until like, okay, crap, this is like a thing. We should start a company and formalize this thing. Yeah. So it was, uh, initially we really, we, we both left our prior company and we really were starting our own things on our own actually. So I was starting a company that really had no name at the time and same with her. 
uh, hers was like land of Lincoln or something like that. Um, mine was Illinois, Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, mine was other planet was the, the, uh, legal name at least. And so mine, I was just focusing, yes, on paid media. I was doing primarily Google ads, uh, some Facebook, Instagram ads as well. I had probably three to five clients, you know, after a few months of, of leaving and she was roughly the same on SEO. And this was around the time when we were doing the dance of like, do you want to be co-founders or not? We were going to Chicago, going to uh, Tennessee. Then I was in Europe for the summer. We were chatting remotely from that. And then it, it made sense for us to join up together. And then, yes, at that time, we were united under one common brand. Uh, we you know, bought the domain galacticfed.com. We made the website. It was pretty crappy at the time, but it was there. Uh, we've invested a lot more money into our website since then. Uh, that stuff adds up. And yeah, we were initially just doing uh, paid media on my side, which I was running and building a team of, and she was running the SEO side. So it was a bit independent and siloed at the time. Uh, obviously, we worked together on common brand things, sales, lead, lead development, that sort of stuff. But as far as operations and fulfillment went, I ran the teams that did paid media. She ran the teams that did SEO. And those were the only services we provided. Uh, over time, especially in the last, I'd say, three years or so, We've expanded our services quite a bit. Uh, we do now every paid media channel. Again, first it was mainly Google and Facebook. Now we do TikTok, Quora, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Reddit. Uh, you know, any any anywhere you can put ads, we do. Uh, SEO, we don't just do the initial SEO stuff. We did. We write blog posts. We build websites. We design websites. We do email marketing. Uh, we built out a new vertical recently too that we call Growth Labs, which is sort of a catch-all for uh, optimization and scaling types of problems that companies try to work with. So this may be conversion rate optimization, this may be building websites, this may be email marketing uh, design. Uh, that is a quickly growing function for us as well now. And we're continuing to add services lines as, as we grow and expect to see more growth in that regard. So Zach, how do you think about um, just like career navigation and progression? Because obviously we met in the beginning of our careers you spent a couple of years at PNG, then you spent some time at Google and, and you know, kind of moved on from there. How do you think if, if you're putting on the hat or giving advice to someone in their mid to late 20s who has this itch, has this idea, wants to like incubate their own startup, how do you think about like the point in which you've kind of tapped out or like maximized the trajectory of your learning and you're ready to like launch something? Like how did, how did you know when you were ready to just like totally pull the plug on corporate life and like go into your own thing. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, there's a saying that all careers make a lot more sense when you look back on them than they do at the time when you're kind of like sure. randomly flailing out to the next best thing you can do, which I think we all can relate to. And I think I did a lot of that in my early and mid twenties when I was just doing what felt right at the time. Um, you know, I think, uh, I never had some grand plan about one particular job leading to the next, and this is what I needed to do. I think what I really cared about, though, is I, I always prioritize stuff that would help me learn in the long run how to build a company, because that's what I really cared about. Now, along the way, I, I'd like to think I did pretty good for the companies that I worked for and added a lot of value there. But at the end of the day, if and when I felt ready to move on from a company, I was pretty comfortable doing that. I'd say on average, I was at jobs less long than most people, I think like two years or less for all of them, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend if you want to build a normal traditional career where they really value longevity. Yeah. It's a bit hypocritical too, since I really value longevity when I'm hiring people now myself. 
But I think as an entrepreneur, it's really helpful to have experiences at different places. Because I think for me, at least around that two-year mark, at least in a given role, was when I stopped learning as much and that slope started decreasing and I was starting to itch for something new. Uh, but yeah, when planning your life, I think getting really good at a few, like one thing or two things, maybe two things that are kind of different can help out a lot. At first for me, it was like teaching software engineering to myself and really learning that. And then it was kind of combining that technical sort of software background with marketing, with this growth marketing type of thing. Uh, you know, keep in mind, most of my competitors out there are very old school legacy brand focused. What they care about is making big, splashy, splashy ad campaigns that, you know, on billboards or even even online that advertise a brand's power and who they are. But what we really focus on at Galactic Fed, we hire mathematicians, we hire PhDs, we hire people with deep technical expertise, and they are the ones oftentimes building these marketing plans from a growth perspective, which for us is very much, uh, you know, incremental, mathematically focused and not necessarily eyeball focused, which can be a bit different. We wanna help companies get more leads and get more customers uh, you know, at, at whatever cost it takes, uh, provided it's legal and ethical and uh, you know, takes care of everybody involved and, and helps grow their brand along the way too. We're very creative in how we look at things. One approach that works for one brand might not work for the other. Uh, so, so yeah, long-winded answer to say, when you're doing your career, I think it's helpful to you know, I think Bill Gates said some quote that's like, we constantly overestimate what we can do in one year and we significantly underestimate what we can do in 10 years. And I think 10 years is even too long of a horizon. I think you could say five years. If you just sort of set yourself towards building a company or whatever it may be, and then go from there, you'd be surprised what you can accomplish. Hmm. That's interesting. And like when you're, so you guys are kind of siloed in the beginning, right? Like you doing your own, you're both subject matter experts in the things that you know how to do in growth marketing. She's got her team. You got your team. You're working all on the business together. And then at some point it kind of feels like, um, the whole company comes together at some point. Right. So it's like, if you're going to build a business to 160 employees and be distributed, like there's a lot of, uh, things that need to be put in place, um, in order to make sure that your foundation is good. So we're talking about things like company culture, you know, an actual like uh, brand and, you know, you come into galactic fed, you onboard, you're getting ready to work and it feels like you're a part of something. Like, how do you, um, how do you start that? How do you get to that point? How do you think about it? Um, and who, how are, how do you execute on that? Like now making sure that all the employees that are involved are, feel a part of something, especially with this very distributed workforce. Um, we're starting to see like people, like companies want to have all of their employees on site, right? Like basically flip-flopping from what they said in the pandemic, you know, you guys were distributed first, like 2018 when not a lot of, or like no companies were doing it, uh, when it wasn't cool yet, then it became cool. And then you're going to stay cool. Right. Uh, with, with what you're doing, um, how do you keep that magic, you know, that soul um, going and alive? And, and is that like a learnable skill? Do you think that other companies can learn as well? Yeah. So um, I think I'll first answer kind of the first thing you were, you were hinting at there, Jacob, which is how do you grow a company, you know, to roughly 160 people or more fully remotely? And how do you approach that as you grow? 
and then the second part is the cultural piece, right? Of how do you keep that magic alive, keep people happy, keep people connected despite being thousands of miles away. So on the first one, when new entrepreneurs ask me about this, I always say, um, especially at least in, in kind of my type of space, say, say doing serv client services or something, it really, and this works for products too, which for when I built a product business, you grow in like stepwise functions of what you're doing. So at first, when I was building Galactic Fed, it was me doing everything, I guess, Irina too, in, in her own fashion. But I was talking to clients. I was building their ad campaigns. I was doing sales. I was hiring people. I was trying to do our books, did them terribly probably back then, did a lot of things terribly back then, I would say. Uh, and then... You know, we, we moved on to a phase after that when we were making some money and I can invest in, okay, now I'm going to hire people to do the actual marketing fulfillment work. Like they're the ones in the accounts changing things. I'm still giving them instructions, but they're taking a lot of load off of me because that took a lot of time. And now I'm just talking to clients and doing all the other stuff. Then finally, we got to the point where I could hire people to talk to the clients and said, now let me tell you, that was a big change. That freed me up to do a lot of different hmm. stuff. That was a big stepwise change as well, because then we had people running the accounts and people talking to the clients, managing the people running the accounts. So I could do a lot more sales at that point, which really helped our business take off a lot. Uh, that was a big stepwise function for us then. Now, of course, the next logical phase was when I hired salespeople. And I think that is a stage that I've noticed that lots of, lots of services businesses, especially ones in my industry, for some reason, just don't get right. They have a really hard time uncoupling with the brand they've built personally around this business they built and how proud they are that they get all these referrals and they love talking to clients and talking to the customers. And they just get this pride of this, which I completely relate to and understand. Uh, it's fun to, to get to know the customers you're helping. But if you really want to grow, you have to hire people to do that for you. And you have to be able to trust them to take that final step away from you also. And we went through quite a number of, of folks before we found a really great sales team. And I really love the, the people working uh, at, at my company now in our sales department. They're really impressive, really smart, really technical too. And they know what, what they're, they're working on there. Uh, so anyways, that was a really important stepwise function as well. After that, that's when we really started to take off, I would say. We were able to start doing you know, further function changes too of investing in marketing for our own brand. Uh, really building out a better HR and, and you know, predictable finance departments, um, smoothing out a lot of the edges around our brand development and such. But I'd say those were some of the steps that we took to get to where we are now. Not all those things happened at once. Maybe they could if you weren't a bootstrap business and you got a lot of capital up front. But I personally was really happy with the journey we took doing it along the way and learning how to do each of those things so that now when I'm coaching and helping people on my team, I can say I was there too. Uh, and I know what it's like to do that job. So that leads into your second question, Jacob, which is around building that culture and how do we keep that happiness and that magic alive, despite the mm -hmm. fact that I have never met the vast majority of my team in real life, neither have they met each other in real life, uh, except for some of them who live nearby and do meetups, which I always love to see. Um, I think, you know, it's certainly, it's certainly possible for a company to be not remote and then become fully remote. I've seen it happen. I've coached some companies that have done that successfully. But I think that it's easiest for sure to start a company fully remotely from the beginning. Because then all of your processes, all of your systems, the people you hire and what they care about all reflect that value of it's okay that we're not going to see each other in real life because we like this quirky, weird way of doing things which especially in 2018, when I started this company, was the case. It was weird to work remotely. 
people didn't, some people didn't like the idea of not going into office and not meeting people in real life. They needed that connection. They needed that handshake, whatever it may be. And I think that reflected in the types of people we hired back then and still do, which tend to be kind of like quirky, like oddball types of individuals. Like I would, I would associate myself with that. And I think that's made a really, a really fun, me, Zach, you know? <laughs> of course, of course, you saw it when we lived together, man. Um, you know, I, I, I think that led to a fun culture we have internally where we really don't take ourselves too seriously. People are very okay talking about themselves. Uh, you know, every quarter when we do like our, I don't know, our pay media all hands and we do like a show and tell item, you know, people share the, like the wildest things, like an ancient mummy, someone shows a new tattoo that he gets like every quarter, just ahead of this call, um, you know, <laughs> hot sauce collections. People are like, here's the beach that I work on every day. And I feel that when you work remotely, if you're doing it right, you actually get to know people better in some senses because you come into their homes with them and into their lives. And you don't have this like siloed, stale yeah. sort of interaction that I saw at some places I worked previously where people like bring this different self to themselves. Like they have a different work personality than they do at home. And that's kind of hard when you're sitting at home or when you're traveling or however you may want to set that up. You really bring people along in the journey with you, which I think is cool. That said, of course, we've had to do some things intentionally to make sure that that happens. Uh, you know, we build really tight systems around like operations and predictability for what people are doing. So on the work side of things, pretty much everything is blueprinted and documented. We call this like the Galactic Fed way is our little acronym for it or GFW. So we build these GFW templates for everything from the way that we, you know, onboard a new client to the way that we offboard them from the way that we send an invoice to the way that, you know, when a client has a problem with an invoice, we respond to them cordially and such. Every single process that we do is documented so that I think this is really important, especially in a remote company as you scale, because uh, in the office, you can kind of like look over someone's shoulder and be like, hey, Tom, hey, Jacob, this is the way that we typically do this. But when you're remote, you need to operationalize and scale like human interactions in a way that says this is the galactic fed way that we do those things. And I think the best way to do that is writing it down. So we write a lot of things down. I think that reflects in my ethos of lighting, liking to write too. Uh, we're also a very written focused company too, where we don't do a whole lot of phone calls. I really believe heavily in giving time back to people, uh, trusting them to be adults and get their jobs done, communicating Slack, click up in those tools instead of like constant recurring phone calls. They're director yeah. level folks at my company who have one hour a week of referring calls and nothing else. And I like it that way. I myself do all my calls on Wednesday afternoons and that's it. We're doing this call right now on a Wednesday afternoon. That was a lot. I'll pass it back to you guys. <laughs> Zach, no, this was great. <laughs> was uh, awesome. Also, I'm thirsty. <laughs> Me too. This is yeah. why I missed you, Zach. This is uh, it's, yeah, it's I good. A lot of water. <laughs> um, so I, I have to ask because I find this absolutely fascinating that you mentioned the the flexibility that remote year and other travels afforded you. And that kind of starting your own company was the ultimate form of like flexibility and lifestyle kind of control, right? Um, so I, I find it fascinating. Where did you adopt or kind of concoct this idea of like the Wednesdays are my only phone call days? And how, how has that turned out? Yeah, so this is one of the most uh, like, not controversial, but just like interesting thing that when I tell people about the way our company works, I, I will be clear, like people, especially on our client relations and sales teams do more phone calls than that uh, by nature. You know, I don't think we could tell everybody that we don't do phone calls with them. 
But on the most part, our company is a very, very call anti-call company. And when we do calls, it's a lot of Wednesdays, maybe Tuesday, Thursday, almost none Friday, Monday, normally. Uh, for me, that came from, it's Irina and I both, we just really value the utility of writing a lot. Uh, we both are interested in writing. And, and I think that when you write things out, it automatically becomes documented and it's there and it's easy to look back on. And I think that's especially important too in a remote company where you're constantly, you need to reference things. And since we have people working, by the way, in you know, every major continent besides Antarctica so far, uh, we work asynchronously too, which I care a lot about. Hmm. Uh, I know companies who, uh, you know, who, who hire people remotely. However, they make their folks in say Japan work on the same time zone as they are in New York. And that's just inhumane, I think. Um, you know, we will hire people in roles and some roles are time zone specific, especially those that are in, you know, client facing roles, but most of them aren't. And we say, you can work on your own time zone and that's completely okay with us. Now the, the consequence of that is phone calls become more difficult. So this kind of naturally led to this need for us to minimize and, uh, chunk up phone calls on particular days. So, so this, uh, this need to have people around the world in different time zones naturally led for us to desire uh, you know, an asynchronous environment where people can work on their own times and they can work on their own time zone specifically, which led to a minimization of calls. And when they do happen, maximizing them in a certain time frame, which is typically Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. I also believe that, I remember I read this essay a while ago by Paul Graham, who's the founder of Y Combinator, which is a big startup uh, incubator out here in Silicon Valley. And uh, he, he outlined this like concept of manager's time versus maker's time that I really liked. I consider myself more a maker in this regard. And what, what this says is, you know, the managers, I think that the concept, the, the comparison he was using was like venture capital investors versus startup founders. The managers divide their times into 30 minute increments on their calendars and everything needs to be divided up and you know what's happening, bing, bang, boom, every second. And that's useful. I mean, I do that a lot of times too on certain days, but the maker's time, and he was using that comparing to, say, software engineers, people, creatives, people building things, really need long, uninterrupted blocks of time on their calendar to get stuff done. Because that allows you to think, it allows you the space to be creative. And even just one call or one obligation in the middle of those chunks can really screw it all up, in my perspective. So I just yeah. loved having six days a week of maker's time. It was fantastic. And it, and I recommend anyone to do that at least one day a week, if you're able to do it, you'd be surprised at what you can get done if you still set yourself to work, but you have long uninterrupted blocks of time. I love that. And Zach, did you notice uh, like all the press recently around companies trying to move to a four day work week? Uh, and do you think we'll ever move to that? That's a good question. I think, um, I think there are merits to it. It's not something that we try to Galactic Fed, and I'm not sure that we will anytime soon. Uh, you know, especially since we're working with clients and businesses who are not on that, so it wouldn't make sense for us. I think uh, I think what really matters at the end of the day is that people are that being rewarded based on their accomplishments and their impacts within their role, not necessarily the time they put in. So this is something that uh, you know, though we don't have a five out five whatever four day work week at Galactic Fed. We give people lots of flexibility to schedule their own time, whether that may be, uh, you know, this two hours a day, like in the middle of the day or like a, you know, workout class or they need to pick their kids up at a certain time or maybe certain days they don't come into work until significantly later because they have some other thing they want to do. 
uh, we're very cool with that. So, uh, so, so yeah, I think uh, we're, we're very flexible with our employees around scheduling blocks of their own time during the work week to take off when they want. And, you know, at some point it's possible that society will move to a four day work week or even a three day work week. I don't really know what the future holds. Uh, I think right now what's most important though, is that companies recognize that people are humans and they have their own schedules and wants and needs in different ways of getting things done and allowing them to set that up however makes the best sense for them within the sandbox and confines of the company's setup and what needs to happen, whether that be a five-day work week, whether that be Wednesdays or typically the call day. Uh, you know, I think the company can set the rules and then employees should be able to play within that and get things done on their own way. I like that. And one more question on the talent model here, Zach. So really interesting how you've constructed a model that I think allows for and almost embraces diversity of uh, geography, culture, uh, style, all of that. Um, I think it's fascinating to kind of hear how, how you've managed that and how you think about maker versus manager time. What is your, what are your th thoughts on how COVID impacted your business from a talent model standpoint? Did it change the profile that, that you, you like kind of adopted as in your new hire profiles? Did it increase the willingness of folks to join a remote first remote only company I'm, I'm really curious to hear what how that kind of impacted you guys yeah so i think like most businesses in the world COVID was tough right we lost 35 percent of our customers in a matter of weeks uh wow. and then more trickled after that it was a very tough time for us i mean people weren't advertising in the beginning and that's what we do i think that irene and i were faced with a tough choice in that moment of Obviously, our, you know, our friends and other business owners were really recommending that we lay a lot of people off. And in fact, lots of my friends did unfortunately have to make those decisions. Uh, some, one friend even laid off, I think, 100 of his like 105 headcount companies, so nearly his entire business. Wow. But we made the decision that we, we had built this team and this culture that we just loved and we cared about. And we knew that it really might not be the same ever again if we had to let go of a bunch of people. So despite the obviously financial situations we're in, and trust me, we were applying for every loan and hustling old clients who had like year old invoices they hadn't paid, like whatever <laughs> we could do to get cash at that time. Luckily, we had a decent war chest we had saved up, but yeah. uh, we did made the decision not to lay anybody off during that period. And I was really happy when that we did that for many reasons, of course. I'm glad we were able to take care of the team. But from a purely selfish business perspective, too, it worked out great. Because things bounced back quicker than anybody thought. Uh, companies decided to go way more digital in their marketing. Who was looking at billboards or subway ads during that time? And people were buying lots of things at home, especially consumer products. Uh, so actually, our business really rebounded quickly. And what I found is that a decent number of my competitors had laid off some really smart people. And then I was able to scoop up some, some really great talent in that regard from these folks who had been disenfranchised from these businesses who may have treated them poorly in the past and then, oh, by the way, also laid them off the moment they had to with no remorse. Um, you know, a phrase that comes up sometimes eternally, I have not coined this. There's some people at Galactic Fed have called what our company culture is like is like corporate refuge. Like all these people who are working at these big companies that were very stale and didn't treat them well. Black Big Fed feels a little bit more like utopic than that, where people just have fun and are able to be more chill. And I think that we haven't changed our talent profile too much since COVID in regards of the types of people you look for. 
Uh, you know, we have a very rigorous hiring process that focuses on people doing, uh, you know, assessments and kind of proving their technical capabilities through tests before moving on to the personality types of rounds and the role plays. But we still look for that sort of hungry ethos, casual, fun, interesting, curious, low ego type of person that we've always sought for. And, and who I always think is the best type of remote worker, especially uh, those who are willing to communicate with uh, people who are different than them is, is really important for us, both from a client services perspective and, of course, the fact that they'll be working with people around the world. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, talent profile didn't change a whole lot, but I think our opportunity to bring more people in did now that more people are open and curious about remote work. And Zach, how do you, so you're, you know, um, like four years into your business now, how do you then jump off and make the decision, you know what, I'm going to go to Stanford and I'm going to get a uh, MBA here. And, you know, this is uh, strategic for me and this is strategic for the business long-term. Um, and yep. uh, yeah, how do you make that decision? What was the reasoning behind that? So for me, I'd like to make it clear that my number one priority now and always will be Galactic Bug. And so if something came up where the business needed me and I could not juggle this obligation to be at Stanford, then I would go back to Galactic Fund uh, immediately. That said, uh, you know, I was really thinking during COVID, especially about the possible utility of going to business school. Keep in mind, too, from a personal perspective, at this point now, I have, you know, my last six years of traveling full time. So personally, I was also just looking for a change of pace and building a physical community with people that I like and that I feel are peers and that I get along with well. Uh, so, you know, I'm like, if I'm going to move somewhere, I don't know, there's lots of ways I could do this, right? I could go to Bali and hang out with a bunch of other nomads. I could go to like New York and like do that whole thing. There's lots of places I like around the world, but I really want to be intentional about it and build like a, a community of people who are also looking to build a new community, a new set of people. And business school just seemed really cool. It seemed like a good way to meet people and a good way to help the business as well. Obviously, you know, I've worked at some cool and interesting companies before starting my own. But I really did want to round out what I understand from a larger, you know, macro, financial, uh, operational, strategic type of level. Like, see what see what people do. Like, wh what is normally what people do? I've made like all this stuff up as I've gone. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing normally, and just kind of like invented. <laughs> and it's worked out pretty well so far. But it's kind of interesting to step back sometimes and see what people do. Uh, that said, too, I also just I thought, you know, Stanford's a, a great place to be. I really like this school. Being in the middle of Silicon Valley uh, is helpful for me, too. Lots of our clients are based out here. I can pop up to San Francisco, which is just, you know, 30 to 60 minutes away, depending on traffic. Uh, lots of clients out there. Uh, we also partner with a number of private equity and venture capital firms. Some of them are based in the Bay Area. Uh, we can do haven't done this yet, but looking to do presentations with them. Not to mention uh, Google, Facebook. Twitter, TikTok, Quora, Reddit, Snapchat, all these companies have headquarters in these areas too. And oftentimes they're doing agency type days, agency events and things like that. It's just useful to be in the area too. Uh, so all that said, I think it's been absolutely a you know, value gained to myself as a person. I, I love the people here. They're so cool. I'm having the best time. It's like being in college again. It's really great. And oh, by oh, the yeah. way, the time commitment is probably roughly the same as when I was like nomading around, you know, <laughs> roughly, roughly the same time commitment as, as traveling the world and having fun around the world. So uh, I feel like I'm still committing just as much to Galactic Fed. And in fact, I'm adding more value there. We've gotten referrals from people here, uh, you know, new clients, and I hope to continue to grow that. Um, really love being in one place, too. I mean, like I have some plants. They're fake, but looking to get real plants. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have a. 
I have drawers. That's a big one. Uh, like a bar of soap. It's the little things you wouldn't expect to make a big deal when you live somewhere for the first time in a while. I like that. If you're going to establish a physical like presence in one spot, it makes sense to do so in an area that's complementary to your network, your client base, and that you know fosters relationships similar to what you had at Remote Year, right? Which is yeah. like-minded remote workers. Now it's like-minded kind of business leaders, startup co-founders. How many folks in your class, Zach, are fellow business co-founders? Is it like a pretty sizable chunk? I'd say it's sizable relative to most MBA programs. I'd say it's still a minority of the Stanford GSB class here. Though I would say a lot of people, the majority of people here, like the vast majority want to start companies and are already interested and or experimenting on things. I think that's something that Stanford really does well. It's in the water here or something. Uh, maybe some of them are just saying that because they feel like they should, but it's almost like uncool to not want to start your own thing here. And I think that was one of the things that really attracted me to Stanford as well, is that that's kind of like the shtick that they do at this business school in particular is starting businesses, scaling businesses, leading businesses. Uh, of course, every business school wants to do that, but it, it's, it's especially present here. And I think that's one of the strengths that Stanford has. That's awesome. Zach, uh, as we kind of uh, close out here, I know we're coming up on time, you know, any advice that you would give to um, folks who were, you know, either coming right out of school or looking to make a change and are kind of thinking of making this entrepreneurial jump? Uh, what, what kind of, uh, like, what are the top three things that you would tell them or give them that would kind of help them make the transition and help them on their journey there? I think I'm going to say by far the biggest one and then kind of make up two other ones. <laughs> uh, for me, by far the biggest one is this thing of like not letting fear dictate or delay your decisions. Like I cannot tell you how much, how many friends I have who've been telling me for the last 10 years that they're going to start their own thing. And I really believe they will eventually. And I believe in them and I hope they will. But it's just so seductively easy to push things back. And you can't let yourself do that. Start small, start something you'd be surprised what you can accomplish. You'd be surprised how clear the air is up top once you finally poke your head up and look around and try something new. Because frankly, most people aren't. Most people talk a lot and they just don't do it. So just try, just give it a shot. And even if you fail, people will really respect that you tried. Um, that's the biggest thing I have. I don't know, beyond that, work remotely. <laughs> I just, I cannot emphasize how much it feels like you escaped the matrix when you at least work remotely, even if it's just from where you are, if you can just have the freedom and flexibility to set up your life schedule, how you want it, it changes you. It changes you for the good. It makes you feel more like a human really should. And I appreciate that. And, um, finally, I would say a co-founder is important. I really value my relationship with Irina. She's incredible. She's my best friend. We have the best time together whenever I get to meet up with her in real life, which happens once or twice a year. And having someone with you along for that journey just makes it better. You know, it's like watching a movie by yourself versus going with friends or going to a theme park alone versus going with a friend. Having those memories and looking back on them is almost as important as all the other rewards that come with building a company. So it's all about the people. It's all about your team, whether that's your co-founder or the other people that you started with. And keeping that in mind, I think that it's really a human thing you're doing here will really make the experience more valuable in the long run. I like that. That's awesome. 
So I, I have to ask a marketing question. So growth marketing, sure. growth hacking. What do you think Mr. Beast does really well as a growth marketer? I think he has a great personal brand that people relate to. Um, I mean, I don't really connect with the guy too much, but even I know who he is. Uh, you know, I think that marketing at the end of the day is telling a story. And there's nothing that people relate to more than a narrative. I've learned this myself in like writing, you know, some stuff that I've tried to write in doing marketing for myself and for clients. People care a lot more about a person telling their story and maybe narrating that, whether, you know, he, he narrates a lot of the stuff he does. I think that's so much more valuable than just talking about the thing in the abstract. Uh, if hmm. people really relate to you as a person and maybe a brand, if people really relate to you as a person and not just you as a brand, or maybe your brand as a person or a mascot, hmm. I, think, I think he and other people like him do a good job of building that sort of, that sort of following. I like that, Zach. I feel like you've Excellent. always built a good brand as someone who kind of models this remote lifestyle. And do you think that's lended well to kind of your recruiting engine here at Galactic Fed? For sure. Yeah, especially initially. I mean, we had lots of, I won't say lots, but a decent number of employees who were like, I literally found your company because of you. And I want to like know you as a person just from seeing the presence you have. And I'm like, wow, I like literally don't think that much about what I post online. So that's kind of a good reminder that like people actually pay attention to these things, you know, and yeah, you know, you'd be surprised who cares and who looks up to you. Sometimes you'd be blown away. And I think that comes with just sharing those stories to begin with. I like that. Zach, so great having you on hearing about everything you've been doing, scaling galactic fed and um, really kind of, as you mentioned, hacking the matrix and doing things differently and uh, really embracing change and not not approaching uh new new ventures and new uh new ideas and new new uh journeys and adventures in life with with fear so uh so great having you on the pod really excited to uh, have others hear your story absolutely tom jacob everyone listening on the bell curve thank you so much uh this is a a treasure and an opportunity to be on here thank you guys appreciate it